0: Thank mm-hmm. style are you? Securely attached? Insecurely attached? Chances are no one has ever asked you this question directly, but you've heard or read about attachment styles many times in your life. And unless you're in the field of attachment, chances are you haven't gone down the rabbit hole about what exactly is behind these labels. Well, my next guest, Bethany Saltman, isn't like the rest of us. She went down the rabbit hole deep, deep down, and dedicated 10 years of her life to writing a book on attachment science, as understood through her own ideas of attachment, imperfection, family discord, and maternal love. What resulted was The Strange Situation, A Mother's Journey into the Science of Attachment, a 2021 book that is likely the most profound piece of scientific and personal narrative on attachment today. The book, it seems to me, is three things. First, it is a scientific inquiry into attachment theory dating back to the mother of attachment, Mary Ainsworth. Second, it is a memoir of Saltman's own upbringing as the youngest of three siblings, and then later, mother to a little girl. And finally, it is a deeply moving expose of what love, connection, and attachment really are and how we can literally rewrite our past, or at least the stories we weave about it. If this sounds more complex than you were expecting, you're not alone. Saltman's unputdownable book surprised me, brought me to reread many passages and had me lying awake at night thinking about what I'd learned and what it all meant. It is a deeply important, accessible, cerebral and multidimensional book. And I'm utterly tickled to have Bethany Saltman here to answer all of my very lingering questions about it. Bethany, welcome to Oh Baby.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for writing this book. It is a masterpiece of attachment writing. And thank you for writing this book so honestly. Thank you about all of the raw details about your upbringing. Without those, this book would be a shadow of itself. So uh, really enjoyed the book. Excellent.
1: I'm so glad to hear
0: it. Now, the reason you wrote this book is because you needed to know. You needed to know about yourself and your daughter. You wanted to know whether your past and the way you were raised and loved... The risky behavior you had as a teenager and your strained relationships with men until you met your husband would reflect on the way you loved your daughter and the way she loved others in her life. You essentially wanted to know if you and her were securely attached. And this all came about when she was born. Can you take us back to your thinking at that time when she was born and you started asking these questions? What was that like for you?
1: Sure, sure, sure. First of all, I wish I had known you when I was write, writing, like jacket cover, you know, jacket cover copy, because you are a great summarizer, that was awesome. Um, so let's see, what was that like for me? It was terrifying. Um, you know, I, I loved my daughter deeply, um, and I felt like I was failing her. So I. Um, you know i was really scared to find out what kind of attachment we had and yet i felt like i needed to know um and and you know i was so captured by the ideas of attachment captured by the science captured by the religion of it captured by the poetry of it um and by the strange situation mary ainsworth's laboratory procedure that i just was totally riveted and really trusted that so i was terrified but I deeply moved
0: yeah yeah of course of course so a lot of this book is I mean you, you you couldn't have one of the reasons you wrote the book is because of your own life right and, and your own up- upbringing and you wanted to know whether that would impact your relationship with your daughter tell us about your life growing up um and and tell us the way you tell the reader in the book how you remember or you used to remember your early years and your most formative relationships with family
1: yeah yeah well I had always assumed assumed that i like as soon as i started hearing about attachment when azalea was really young and i was writing about parenting that was you know i had i had a gig basically to do that and i started hearing about attachment i just assumed obviously i was like the poster child for an insecure attachment because of the way i grew up because of my very risky behavior as a teenager it really was a miracle is a miracle that i am alive that i am reasonable and that I'm as functioning as I am so um, I just you know figured that if there was such a thing as an insecurely attached person it would be me because I wasn't close with my brothers I um, felt like my dad was kind of this like weird suspicious guy my mom and I had a good relationship but you know she her, even our relationship wasn't enough to save me from doing a lot of the stuff that I did which most of which by the way I did not include in the book because I'm hoping my daughter will read it one day so you know it's so funny when people say oh your book was so honest and I'm thinking wow I cherry-picked for for my daughter's eyes so there's a lot more where all that came from but yeah so that's that's what I went into this process believing about myself and that's you know so that's that's what A lot of that changed at the
0: end of my um, process. Yeah. And you were so worried that um, you you thought you were insecurely attached. And and as a result, you thought Azalea would be insecurely attached. And Azalea is the name of your your daughter. And the reason you thought that this this would happen is because you knew as a researcher that um, attachment styles can be passed on to your children. But one thing that you uncover it for all of us in the in the in the book is that it is only the perception of attachment style and that was both intuitive and very confusing to me so can you explain what this kind of inheritable attachment thing is and and how perception plays a role
1: sure first of all i just want to make sure that we're getting our terms correct so attachment style is really kind of the more popular way of understanding attachment, and I have some quibbles with it. A lot of scientists use it, most don't. Most attachment researchers use the term attachment pattern, okay. which I think is really significant because a style is you know, kind of a superficial way of behaving. And a pattern is the thing that's passed down generation after generation. Okay. And so, um, but a lot of people do it. You know, this is, I'm not saying you're you did anything wrong, but it's just it, it is something that people in the field talk about. So, um, you know, this idea of perception. I'm not. So, the the thing that we that is passed down is how we understand ourselves in relationship. Mm. That. It's what attachment is. So I think that's what you're referring to. When yes. we talk about pres- so when when we take the adult att- interview test, shall we say, which is not available for public consumption, which is, you know, a good thing, um, because it's a complicated, it's a very complicated dynamic experience. Um, what we're looking at is it's a twenty it's a twenty question hour plus long interview. And the questions are all about one's experience with your caregivers from like younger than twelve, like up to age twelve, and and then the that transcript is um, it's the interview is transcribed and is examined for not what happened to the person person talks about what happened. So that's I think what you're getting at this <laughs> idea of perceptive. So, so you could say that, you know, it's a, to the question, you know, how, you know, what kind of a mother did you have? Oh, I had a really loving mother. Okay, great, can, I, can you give me some examples? Sure, the example of my mother being loving is she, um, um, let's see, she tucked me in at night. Great, can you give me an example? Can you tell me a story of the time when she tucked me in at night? Um, um, not really. <laughs> okay, tell me another story, and then nothing happens, you know, there's nothing there. So the interview is really looking at the relationship between what the person says about their, their early childhood experiences and then how they can talk about it. It's incredibly complex. It was developed by a woman who is a linguist, Mary Main. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to understand, but it is incredibly profound. And I studied the, that interview and learned how to code it, and I went through it myself. So, um, what 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 we're saying here is that our relationship to our relationships, how we so so. Let me just back up for a second. That person who says my mother was really loving, but can't come up with any real content around it, would you know if if the whole transcript. Was that way would be categorized as avoidance, meaning they're restricted. They don't have a lot to say. Um, there is a big disjunct between what they say and what they can come up with as examples. Um, and so that is what is, it's that um, avoidance that's passed down. It's not necessarily what you do, it's how you relate to how you understand it. For instance, if you were a preoccupied person, um, you might say, my mom was, uh, well, actually, let me say, let me rephrase and say, if you were a secure person, you'd say, my mom was loving, and you'd have, like, five examples of things that she did really loving. Or you would say, my mom was kind of met. She was kind of, you know, um, she was just okay, but you could have really clear examples for how your mom was just okay. You have more access to your memory, and that's what this is about and it's very difficult to talk about
0: something that's so subtle um but that's that's the gist right right well so but what if you had like a a terrible mother and she was very abusive and in the AAI you were able to give a lot of examples about how she was awful and they were specific and very detailed but they were all full of terrible things would that still mean you were securely attached it could wow
1: isn't that crazy how how how
0: That's, that's
1: where we come up To it um, but yes so so one if I mean look if you do your work and you go to therapy and you you know have mind sight and you are a meditator and you can understand your mind one of the most important questions in the AI is can you understand why your parents parented you the way that they did hmm huh. and when you can say you know what I, I can my mom back in your example my mom was abused My mom was a drug addict. My mom had this experience and that experience and the other experience, and that led to her being abusive to me. You are definitely gonna get um, coded as secure.
0: Yeah, wow, wow. earned earned security that's beautiful and you can get that by having like you said you know being a zen master like yourself maybe um you know uh going to therapy and also having loving relationships after your early years right like loving romantic relationships absolutely yep can we talk a little bit about reflective functioning or mentalizing? This is a term that you kind of, um, uh, you you all hail reflective functioning and mentalizing. It's an important thing to have in, in, in the secure person. I couldn't really understand exactly what it was. Does this mean to see another from your point of view? I think that's what Ainsworth said, right?
1: Well, reflective functioning is the ability to see yourself, your own mind. Oh. That's what it means to And we learn how to mentalize. You can use the terms interchangeably reflective functioning and mentalization yep Um, and that's what the ai is looking for it's that ability to mentalize to be able to say wow interesting i said that my mom was really loving but i can't come up with a single example let me change my adjective to she was um you know she was complicated and that process of being able to notice your own experience and, and change course and be more refined in what you're saying is part of what a secure attachment brings you. Okay. So in, a, in, a securely attachment, in a securely attached relationship, the caregiver is in touch with themselves enough to be able to tolerate the experience of the child so when the child is having a freakout, the parent doesn't lose themselves, and they can say, okay, I see you're really upset. Let's you know, help you do this or that to, to help you regulate or help you feel better or whatever the thing is. The insecurely attached adult gets so wrapped up because they can't see their own mind, and so the, others, the other threatens to just totally overwhelm them. And then they can't mirror the child's experience, and then the child doesn't develop the capacity to mirror themselves, and that's the thing that's getting passed down generation after generation. Hmm.
0: hmm. Again, it's it's it makes sense, but it's also it's 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 deep and complicated, right? I mean, it's very much. Yeah. I mean, 10, much ten years.
1: Style conversation would lead one to believe.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's like oh, uh, totally. I, I completely agree. So. Um, the the one of the most fascinating things about the book is that you were you were in the you were and that's exactly why you know, it took you so long to, to research the book is because it's not easy. And what is attachment? And yes, there are these styles and there are concrete examples that you give, especially when it comes to, um, you know, mother, mother, baby pairs, um, having the ability to delight in your baby and have the uh, ab- uh, baby's ability to delight in you literally just to kind of be tickled by one another, um, to be an excellent informant that has to do with, you know, the, your memory and retaining detail, etc. literally to just be there for them to, to, um, to take care of their needs to to be available to be kind of sensitive to them all of these are kind of concrete examples but then you were also you know um searching for the rest of that definition the crux of what attachment is the inexplicable 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 and unsayable part of attachment. And you managed to, to talk about that in your book. And it was the really, you know, part of the, the most poignant and deep part of the book where you were able to put it into words. And you kind of said that attachment just kind of is, um, and, and that was, that was really beautiful. And, and of course, at the end of the book, you do reveal to everybody your, that you are indeed, and you were, Securely attached and um, I I really thought that was such a powerful part of the book Um, You you wrote that the one sentence that has long defined your childhood angst which was no go get mom Which is what you say to your dad when he comes uh, Opens the door to you in the bathroom is not proof of any abuse Emotional or physical by any parent but proof of actually your secure attachment to your mom who you feel safe with and your safety with your dad, who you were able to rebuff without fear. And I, that was, I, I know that blew your world open. Tell us about what that was like.
1: Yeah. 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 So I had always had this memory. I mean, it's so funny that the memory, I mean, I could go down a rabbit hole right now about this memory and the house and the wallpaper. And I, I've managed to like redo that bathroom here in my house with like vintage wallpaper. And I didn't even realize it until my mom said, wow. Me a link to our old house that is a time capsule it's for sale and they haven't changed a damn thing it was insane and my husband was like oh my god that looks like our house and i so it is so interesting how these things happen so i had this memory of it was my first memory of being in the bathtub and in this like cool you like foil wallpaper bathroom bathroom and my dad poked his head in and I said no get mom. And I had always thought, Oh my god, I was afraid of my dad. That explains so much. I had no memories of him doing anything untoward other than being a little anxious and you know, I wasn't close with him, but I didn't have any negative memories. But I I just sort of added a lot to that because that seemed like what little girl says no to her dad, you know, blah blah blah. And so my whole life, I had kind of held on to this as this explanation for my craziness. And um, and then when I did the AAI with Howard Steele, and he read back to me his impressions, he said that that line, you know, this was in the context of him telling me about my um, security, he said, you know, her ability to to. He, he he reflected on that moment as my ability to be autonomous and brave and for me to ask for what I needed and to feel connected to my mom and it completely blew my mind and it changed the way I think about everything because it changed, you know, it flipped the script completely from me being a frightened little girl to being a brave little girl. Mm-hmm for what she wanted and getting it and so that helped me recast my entire crazy teenager hood into a story of a girl who was really fierce and yeah I got into some trouble and yeah I'm grateful that I got out of it but I was demanding a certain kind of connection with the world I was demanding a kind of intimacy with the world and demanding contact with the world in a way that is not considered polite behavior for girls under patriarchy and um you know it was a wild thing and and now I see that as I you know I've always been kind of proud because I was pretty bold but now I see it as bold but also um, speaking to the presence of this security.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's incredible. There's one part of the book where, you know, now with your newly found secure attachment um, pattern, I won't use the word style, you you go through the old pictures um, of yourself at, <laughs> in, in childhood. And, and in the past, when you went through those pictures, you saw a lonely girl, always alone, kind of maybe sad, not understood. And this time when you went back to those pictures, you saw somebody who, um, actually you saw somebody who was looking at a camera and there was someone on the other side of that camera. Right. And it was, it was such an emotional and beautiful moment to read that. And it's so true. And so my question is, why did you do that? Why did you decide you had a bad life or, and I know that you just said that you, um, you were searching for something else. You were searching for an intimacy. So that makes all the sense in the world, but why do people do this? Why do we do this? You know, because I I thought about myself and my relationships with my family and, and I've got plenty of complaints, Bethany, you know, but at the end of the day, now reading your book, I realized, Hey, I was securely attached too, and I'm also securely attached. So why is it that humans kind of create these stories about themselves that they ultimately need to rewrite with your help?
1: Yeah. I mean, because we're human. Yeah. And we tell, that's what we do. We're, we're meaning making creatures. We seek patterns uh, light and styles <laughs> um, and we, we, we want to know, I mean praise the Lord, we want to know who we are, why we're here, why we do what we do, this is what makes us human
0: yeah, so are you part of the 25%? Because for 75% of people, what they think about their relationships ends up, you know, defining their relationships, But which means that if you thought you were insecurely attached that, that would mean that you would be, right? But you ended up to be securely attached. I
1: mean, I think, you're, I think there's a misunderstanding there. Okay. Um, the 75% refers to the, um, the propensity for your pattern to persist. So, for instance, with a 75% statistic... Remember, this is all statistics. Yep. So, with a 75% statistical um probability i being a securely attached person will raise a securely attached child now there's a 25 percent chance that i'll be secure and my daughter will be insecure
0: ah okay okay
1: yeah that's what that is okay perception is really is is at the heart of what attachment is because it's looking at again not what happened to you but how you understand what happened to you And the way you understand what happened to you comes from comes directly from your parents, your caregiver's ability to notice their own mind and their own experience and to bestow that capacity upon you.
0: Yeah. Okay. So thank you so much for clarifying. That makes a lot more sense. Can we go back to this? See your own mind and mentalizing thing, because I think maybe there are mothers. Because this is really the crux crux of it, right? So, give me like kind of yeah. a really mundane situation where you're with your kid. You get you sure. already get you already gave the tantrum situation, but maybe another one, um, so so that I and, and readers can understand how they can you know foster secure attachment with their children and, and what it means to mentalize. Yeah,
1: it's the same as being mindful. So you know, you know, you're you're. It's the middle of the night and the baby you know you're so happy that you get some sleep you know you've got like three hours under your belt and then over the monitor you hear the cry and you know you you get flooded with frustration fear that you're not going to get any sleep and it might turn into anger toward the little baby
0: yes yes
1: and so and so what what the, the worst thing you can do and it makes so much sense because we hate the fact that we would be angry at our kids. The, the best thing to do for your child is to notice, oh, my God, I'm feeling angry. I feel angry. And you feel it in your jaw. You feel it in your gut. You feel it in, you know, you notice the thoughts spinning. You you know, and and only once we capture it, when we feel it, do we have any chance of working
0: through it. If we
1: don't feel it, if we don't notice it, we don't mentalize, we don't reflect, that's the reflective functioning. If we can't do that, we're going to march downstairs and we're going to be pissed off.
0: Okay. Okay, perfect. Got it. And
1: That's what we don't want to do. We want to feel our feelings as terrifying and shame-filled as they are because it is the only way to
0: resolve
1: them and feed them, literally, to our children.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you you wrote that, that so even though you obviously don't want to snap at your child in that moment because you want to kind of, you know, work through it yourself and you'd you be reflective of how you're feeling and et cetera, et cetera, you also wrote in the book that you don't have to be a perfect parent, right? You yes. and oh, you. God. And you write in your blog that it's like being a good parent, what, 50% of the time or 75% of the time is okay? And, and that these ugly, kind of ugly parts of parenting and are, are actually good for secure attachment. Can you can you talk about the kind of imperfect, um, the, the fact that imperfect is good enough?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're human beings. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that the ugliness is necessary. You know, there's no, not a single human being on earth who doesn't have negative expressions and, and, you know, angry feelings even towards someone that they love. Like, the, so it's not like a go anger team, but it's, you know, it's, it, it exists. So accept it and get to know it. And yeah, the statistic is attuned parents are attuned only 50% of the time. So, wow. so, you know, I think that, you know, we need to do two things at once. We need to simultaneously give ourselves a break and and apply all of that energy that we were using to beat ourselves up because we think we should be perfect and apply it to becoming mindful of what's going on inside of us. Stop obsessing about our kids and, you know, what they want and need and you know who they're going to become and what kind of tutor and this and that and the other and what they're eating and you know yes they're very important issues but but the thing that is going to matter the most to your child's life is their attachment pattern with you and the way that we are going to you know the, the biggest opportunity we
0: have to
1: affect that attachment is through doing our own work period
0: yeah what is that work? How do you do that work on the daily? Literally just kind of stop, breathe and say, all right, what am I feeling? What is that that I'm feeling? Yeah, Anger. Okay. Absolutely. It's just that. Stop,
1: breathe. What am I feeling? Stop. Breathe. What am I, and, and feel, feel like where is your body? What do you feel?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And is that also how you teach folks to rewrite their stories as well? You start all in the body and, and, and being in, being in the moment and mindfulness.
1: I mean, I don't teach people to rewrite their stories. That's really up to the individual if that's was something that becomes apparent, you know. I, I to me the the most important thing is to get to know the story that you're telling. Mm-hmm.
0: Mhm.
1: And, and and if it needs rewrite if it needs rewriting, trust the process. Yeah. But I also work with writers, so this is very apropos. <laughs> Right. What's the story you can't stop telling? That's 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 the hook for for any book that we're writing, um, any story. What's the story we can't stop telling? What's that obsession inside? Let's get it out. Let's see it, um, and 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 become intimate with it. Really live it, feel it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's, no. Absolutely, because at the end of the book, um, in, in fact, in the afterword. So anybody that doesn't read the afterword doesn't actually read this part, and it's incredibly important because you say that despite your secure label and despite knowing, you know, that maybe things were a little different for you than you thought they were, like there was somebody on the other end of that camera taking photos and loving you and wanting your attention and etc. You still tell the same story about yourself. You worry Azalea will end up insecure, even though not technically. Um, and we're back at the beginning, right? A flawed and yeah. beautiful human who wants to love and wants love. And every day you just keep moving and keep an open mind. And that's what you say, you know, keep an open mind, be open.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm proud of a senior and she is incredibly delightful and delighted in, and she's not her mother.
0: And but you know what? Her mother's just fine.
1: I know, but I mean, she's not. In, she, she's not getting into trouble like
0: her mother. Right, and right. That was big fear.
1: That was always. I mean, it was terrifying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In the, in, um, uh, uh, you don't say this in the book, but you do say this on the Janet Lansbury podcast, that, that podcast that the AAI, this test that is not available, which of course I want to take it, but it's not available. You said that it asks about memories, um, up to 12 years old. Does that mean we actually have the first 12 years to foster a a secure relationship with our children?
1: Um, that's a great question. I mean, it's never too late. Cool. It's an ongoing test. Um, so I wouldn't even cap it at 12. I mean, cool. Yeah, so yeah. And I with that I do have to run.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming My on pleasure. the show and sharing your unique wisdom.